We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here today. Uh, I'm also here today. Tommy and I were just having a conversation for about 15 minutes about various things. And I said to him, why are we not recording and doing the show right now and just having this conversation on the air? So we will um, try to rehash this conversation a little bit. It'll interest some and perhaps others will want to fast forward to some Washington football talk where, by the way, Ron Rivera was asked yesterday by Scott Abraham from Channel 7, what kind of leash does Taylor Heineke have? (laughs) We'll get to all of that uh, coming up and more But the conversation started with, well, it started with a golf conversation. Thank you to Brian and Chuck. Um, It was a lot of fun to hang out with Brian, Chuck, and my my friend Jeff yesterday at the beautiful, beautiful new congressional blue course. It is spectacular. It is much different than it used to be. And it's jarring when you walk in and you see the new course with, with the open sort of link style look to it. But uh, what a fun day um, we had. But Tommy asked me to retweet a column, and I retweeted apparently the wrong column, but it was a column that I read. And it was this morning's column, or yesterday's column, about 30, this morning. About 30 years ago today, the Senators... 50 years ago today. I, I'm sorry, 50 years ago today. Um, right, because I've been doing the 30-year on the 1991 team, um, and so I just got confused there. 50 years ago today was the final Washington Senators game in Washington before they moved to Texas, and Tommy wrote a really good column, and I retweet, retweeted it. Um, he wanted me to retweet his Chase Young column, which I will, I, I promise. But we started to have this conversation, and I said to you, this, these are my first sports memories. 1971 was the year that George Allen arrived in Washington to coach the Redskins. That's the first season I remember. Um, and that baseball season I remember as well. And I, I don't remember that final game. I've seen the film of it many times when the fans run out, you know, on the field and like the seventh inning or whatever against the Yankees and they end up, you know, uh, forfeiting the game because they're ripping up bases and ripping up sod and the whole thing in the final game before they moved to Texas. But I told you that the, my father used to take me to Senators games, and he took me to Senators games probably um, the year before or two years before that, but, when, but, but that was the first year I really remember 
going to yeah. Senators games. And he took me to, and this is the first game I remember, was going to see Denny McClain pitch his first game as a Washington Senator. You knew that Denny McClain pitched for the Senators, right? Oh, yeah. In fact, I had Denny McClain as a guest on my Cigars and Curveballs podcast. Was, and, was he in jail? Uh, he, he, uh, no, he wasn't in jail this time. He, he hasn't been in jail in a while. Okay. He's had quite the colorful career. Uh, but uh, he did not have good things to say about his time in Washington. <laughs> he, d- he didn't? And, and, and then Washington fans didn't have good things to say about him when he was in Washington because he was terrible. His arm was shot by then. He had five years of excellent years in, in Detroit, but basically pitched his arm off. You know, I, I didn't know anything, obviously, about Denny McLean, other than, you know, after the fact, when I got older and I had more of an interest in looking back to see. But I just pulled up, you know, his baseball reference uh, stuff. And, you know, he came to Washington in 1971. It was, he was 10-22 and with a, with yeah. a 4.28 ERA in D.C. It's just weird to see 10-22, and 22, you know, 32 <laughs> games where, you, where, you, where, the, where a decision went one way or the other. In 1968, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that would have been the World Series champion, Detroit Tigers, in 1968, yeah. or did they lose to St. Louis in 1968? No, that was... No, they beat St. Louis in seven games in 68. Got it. Um, he was 31-6. and six Yes. With a 1.96 yes, the last, ERA. The last 30-game winner. Oh, he was? Yeah, Denny McLean. Wow. Yeah. He, he won back-to-back and, and the year after that, the year after that, he was 24-9 and nine in 1969. Yes, he was. He had, and he pitched 336 innings. In uh, 68, 325 and 69, okay? His, his arm was shot. He had pitched uh, basically, yeah, he had basically pitched himself off, his arm off. Yeah. He started 41 games both years. Why did he go to jail again? Uh, I don't remember. Something to do with uh, some kind of fraud thing and some connection to organized crime. Uh, it, it, it's pretty wild stuff, but he's a great guest. Is he still, he's still alive? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he does card shows, things like that, you know, autograph sessions. You've got to go back to 1968 for the last 30 game winner. Yeah. Well, you're never going to see another one. Well, of course not. That's it. You, you barely even <laughs> see 20 game winners. Yes. Um, God, that's yeah, and look at the innings he pitched. My God, three hundred and thirty-six innings. You talk about a well. War- tell everybody about what happened to you and your dad at one of these centers. Yeah, so uh, we, Tommy and I were talking before the show, and I you know, like my my first sports memories are of the George Allen Redskins and going to RFK Stadium. We had season tickets, um, and I would go with my my dad and my two uncles actually. Um, every Sunday, and uh, I was the old. I was the oldest you know, in, in my family, and then I was also the oldest grandson um, in the family. So it was always my father, my two uncles, and me going to every game when I was a kid. And those are great memories. But my father also took me to a lot of Senators games. I remember before they moved that year, and on one particular night, I'll never forget this. We came out of the stadium. 
and the car was gone. <laughs> it was it had been stolen um, while we were in RFK <laughs> Stadium. And, you know, that was part of the issue, you know, in the post-1968 um, Senators uh, uh, teams. I mean, A, the 69 season with Ted Williams uh, managing them, that, that was the 500 season that they had, and it was a great season. But right. they, if you go back, I did this, I remember, a few years ago. They had horrible attendance, just horrible, which is yeah. ultimately why um, Bob Short, right, was the owner, Bob Short? Yeah. Um, moved them to yeah, – Bob Short was the owner. They had, for that, for that ga- last game, which I wrote about in my column, yeah. they had about 15,000 people, and that was about double what their normal attendance was. That's amazing. That fifteen thousand was like double their normal attendance. When I when I when I when I went back and looked a few years ago, like there were nights where like you had three or four thousand people. Well, part of the reason was the team wasn't very good. The other part of the reason right. is post nineteen sixty eight riots. Um, you know, people did not come into the city that much, and RFK was not in a great part of the city. And so uh, my father never cared about any of that stuff. Like he, I, I, you know, he he would take me into any neighborhood. It wouldn't, it never bothered him at all. And he was going to games, and he was taking his son to games. But that night, I do remember um, coming out, and the car was gone. And um, my my father, thank God for the person that stole it, that he didn't come upon that person while they were breaking into it and stealing it because. He was a big old Irish dude, and there would have been a, there would have been a problem. Um, but I, the only thing I remember is that being a little bit traumatized, and because the, you know he found police and he was reporting it to the police, and then we got into, we got into a cab and went home. And you, you what asked, kind of car was it? So yeah, you asked me. I, I don't know what that car was, but I do remember my father in the seventies, throughout the seventies, having Pontiac Grand Prix. Like two or three nice of car. them in a row. Yeah, I, I, I nice don't car. with with the bucket seats, which was like the new you know seventies phenomena in cars. Right? right? Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, did you ever did you wind up getting your dad's cars? Like, see, I wound up. I, I bought two of my cars. Uh, were, were I bought from my dad? The you know that of, of the cars I own. And one of them turned out to be a lemon. He ripped me off. (laughs) (laughs) The first car I got was my grandmother's car. It was a 77 Pontiac uh, Catalina. I think Pontiac Catalina. was Catalinas and Bonnevilles were Pontiacs. It was either Bonneville or Catalina. Um, And then did I ever get... No, I never got. Uh, I never got one of my father's cars. I don't think. I t- I've told I you remember... this. St- I've told you the story about buying my first car at fourteen years old. Oh yeah, yeah. tell it again though. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> um, that, by the way, was a nineteen seventy two pot. That was that was the nineteen seventy two Pontiac Bonneville. The first one I owned was a or had was my grandmother's Cat, uh, Catalina. I think it was a Catalina. Okay. Anyway, my 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 best friend growing up. Um, Mike Carberry and I, um, we, we, we got ourselves, you know, in to a lot of shenanigans and a lot of, you know, teen issues and troubles, but not in nothing severe. Um, but we, we, we bought a car, um, when we were 14 years old, we paid $10 for the car. (laughs) 
$10. (laughs) Swear to God. The car was like in a heavily wooded area. The guy that was selling us told us uh, the plates or a plate is in the back seat, but the car didn't have a battery. So we needed to replace the battery. Clearly the car was stolen um, or there was something very sketchy going on with the car. But we purchased the car for $10, and then we got a friend of ours, Colin Gillespie, who was like a year older um, and had a license to drive us to Sears. And he actually, on his parents' credit card, put the new battery on his parents' credit card. We went back, we installed the battery, and for about a month and a half during this, you know, this summer, we were driving that car everywhere. Tommy, we drove it to Memorial <laughs> Stadium one night and went to an Orioles game. And, oh, that's great. And then we, one night, um, he had, uh, Mike had dropped uh, a couple of us off, and there was a parking lot near his house where he kept the car. And he got pulled over by himself when he was pulling into that parking lot. Um, couldn't produce a driver's license. And the yeah. rest is history. He actually could not get his real driver's license because of this incident until he was 18. The rest of us had wow. it when we were 16. Um, but, uh, but we had, but, but the stories that we've told, put it this way, the stories that we got out of that month and a half with that car over the years was the best. (laughs) Now he and I also delivered our newspapers on a golf cart that we just borrowed, um, from a local country club, um, uh, for about a month too. Uh, and we would use that golf cart until the battery ran out and then we ditched it somewhere. Was it? wasn't congressional, was it? No, it was not congressional. It was <laughs> it was another Bethesda Country Club on River Road, um, but it was not congressional. Um, and uh, and he his paper route, uh, his post paper route was right next to mine. I delivered the post and the star, Tommy. I had two paper routes simultaneously. I would, I would. Wow, you were an enterprising fellow. I was. Afternoon and morning. I was. I did the morning. And then when I came home from school, I would deliver the afternoon star. Now, the star on the weekends was a morning delivery. Right. So, so. Now, I, I, was a, I was a paper boy, too, but my, my, my tenure as a paper boy was not particularly memorable. <laughs> it wasn't? Uh, in, in East, no, in East Stroudsburg, the, the route you wanted was the Pocono Record. That was the hometown paper. Everybody got the Pocono Record. You know, but those routes were hard to get. I mean, people used to like hand them down to their friends. You know, they were they were tough to get because you could deliver 120 papers within a couple block radius. Right. You know, I mean, it was it was it was a great route. The second best route was the afternoon paper out of Easton, about 30 miles away, called the Easton Express, a paper I wound up working for years later. And that was good. They didn't have as many customers as the Pocono Record. Uh, but it was an afternoon paper. It meant you didn't have to get up early in the morning to deliver it. Right. You know? So, yeah. so that was good. And then the least favorite route was the one I got. And that was the morning call out of Allentown, Uh-oh. Pennsylvania, which was a little bit farther away than Easton. And I had about maybe 30 to 35 daily customers. But the morning call was the only paper that had a Sunday paper. Uh, the other two did not come out on Sunday. Oh. So on Sundays, yeah. I had 150 customers of oh, a Sunday right. paper, oh, wow. which was like delivering a phone book. Yeah. Well, didn't you have a cart? 
Or did you have a sack that you threw him in? Well, at one, at one point, I mean, it was so pathetic, my father started helping me. He started <laughs> driving me around. I mean, because they were, I mean, it took me all day. You know, the old way, I was delivering Sunday papers at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Well, th- your customers were not very happy with you. If, if no, they, they weren't. Were, if they weren't getting it they until 4 o'clock. They were not very happy. Well, not only that, Tommy, you know, where you were delivering papers. I mean, was there anything worse? For those of you that had paper routes, was there anything worse than when you had to get up and it was frigid outside? to deliver papers early in the morning and remember the, you know, the warm ink, like I would stick my hands in the middle of a newspaper to keep them warm. Um, you know, and, and when you were delivering papers, I do remember, you know, speaking of my father, it's very funny because when we moved recently, I, un- I found a bunch of stuff, including a lot of different things that I had in boxes from over the years and, and a lot of things, by the way, that like you and I you know, were, were a part of like different fights or different events, Super Bowls and different things right. that we got. And I, I've just always thrown them into boxes. I, I usually don't care. I, but I found something um, in a box and I have not given it to him. And I meant to do it last week when I saw him. But in 1979, there was a blizzard. It was called the President's Day Blizzard. Or Washington's birthday blizzard. Because remember, it was Washington's birthday. We've got Washington and Lincoln. And then they combined it into President's Day weekend, if you recall. So Yeah, but actually, back then, only Washington's birthday was a holiday. Lincoln's birthday was not a holiday. Lincoln's birthday, by the way, I believe, look this up, is February 12th. I think that's Yes, it is. Um, So... um, on that particular that particular storm was a very surprise storm. Like the forecast the night before was like, you know, two to four inches, and then we woke up the next morning under two feet of snow. Uh, it was it was an all time blizzard at that point. Now since then there have been many many more that topped that, but that was a memorable storm because there was a um, there was some sort of farmers march on the Capitol and they use those tractors and stuff to clear snow. Like it was perfect timing. I think I'm remembering that. Um, but anyway, that that's not the point of telling the story. The point is, so I had this, you know, the Washington post paper route. Well, Tommy, it, for f- the first three days of the storm, there was not only did I didn't, I, did I not deliver papers? They weren't getting the papers to any area to deliver. You couldn't travel. The whole town was shut down for three days. However, with that said, when they started to clear the snow towards the end of the week, um, you know, it was still really cold and there was lots of snow. Um, I did start to deliver the papers, but I delivered the papers with my father driving in his vehicle with all the papers in the back because there was just no way to push like the push cart or whatever. So he got up and he helped me deliver the papers and the Washington Post sent, I'm sure this to every single, you know, paper boy or, you know, a person with a paper out a plaque. That said, God, I wish I had it in front of me because I don't. I, I I have it in my car actually because I was going to give it to my father. It was a plaque that said, "Congratulations, you delivered you know papers during the President's Day storm of 1979," and we we delivered for like two days of the week. The other three days or four days during the week, no chance. Like nobody was getting a newspaper for the first four days. But I was going to give him that plaque because really he's the one that earned it. 
all I did was stay in the car as long as I could with the heat on and then sprint out and throw it somewhere in the direction of the front door of a house. Anyway. What about what about collecting for your route? Yeah. How was that for you? Um, uh, that was a pain in the ass, but that's how you got tips, yeah. too. I mean... Yes, it did. The, yes, if, yes, and, it and Now, the, eventually what I do recall is you would put it, you, you would attach an envelope well, like once a month or once a quarter or whatever it was to the paper and they would send in the payment and then they would you know send um actually I don't remember how it worked because part of me thinks that I always got tipped directly by by my by by the customers well I had to go house to house I, with I, a punch card yeah, no, I then and you would I you don't, would punch, you know. No, I we didn't have to do that. If they paid. I think what yeah. it was, I think what it was is at Christmas time, you would go around and maybe deliver that month's or that quarter's bill and it was so it was once a year you would go around and do that. Other than that, they were paying via the mail. I I'm pretty sure that's that's the way I remember it. I don't remember going around and collecting money from customers for their, you know, for, and, for their subscription. And then at, at, at some point, uh, as the population shifted and changed, uh, which is part of the problem with newspapers, more people started to move farther away from the city, which made it more difficult to deliver, uh, which wound up pushing back deadlines, which meant you didn't get as much news as you wanted in the paper. Paper boys became an adult job with cars. Adult job cars where, you know, the guys like the, you know, um, the guys that are delivering newspapers right now probably have, yeah. you know, a, a ridiculous number of, of accounts and it's a real job. Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of gone. I think landscaping and, and cutting lawns has gone sort of the same way over the years. I mean, those yeah. were those were two big jobs for kids and teenagers were delivering papers and cutting lawns. Yeah, uh, and you, you don't see that nearly as much anymore, unless unless you're a real, you know, entrepreneurial kid, and you're you know you're opening up your own landscaping company, um, you know, and hiring people and the whole thing. The the one-off kid that's got ten lawns in the neighborhood that just I don't think that that exists anymore. I don't think so either. Anyway, okay. Um, how long is the leash for Taylor Heineke? That's next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This segment brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie at MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC and they will match your deposit dollar for dollar. They'll double it. Put in 500 bucks, you'll end up with 1000 in your account. Tom Brady's returning to New England for the game of the year Sunday night. They will have plenty of prop bets on that game. They do for every game, including tonight's Jacksonville-Cincinnati uh, game. Uh, but MyBookie does it right. You can totally be confident that you're getting fair lines, fair pricing, even if you have another spot where you're wagering right now. If you're taking this seriously and you're doing it the right way, you should have multiple shops uh, to comparison shop with. Uh, my bookie again, really good pricing, fair lines, fair point spreads, and they're giving you free money right now. They're giving you free money to wager with. My bookie, mybookie.ag. Use my promo code Kevin DC. So our friend Scott Abraham from Channel Seven was the first, the first so far, I think. Um, the first time I've heard it, uh, to ask Ron Rivera, and he did it yesterday during Ron Rivera's press conference following the first practice of the week uh, in preparation for Atlanta. A practice, by the way, in which Curtis Samuel was available. My prediction is that Curtis Samuel will not play uh, this coming weekend. Uh, But anyway, Scott Abraham asked Ron Rivera about the leash on Taylor Heineke. Does Taylor still have a long leash in a sense? If, if, if he struggles maybe, you know, again early in the first half, is there an indication or have you had talks maybe thinking of Kyle Allen coming in? Have you no. gotten, gotten to that point? No, I, I'm, I'm not even contemplating that. You know, this first time I thought about it was right here, honestly, was your question. I'll give you my answer, but I want yours first, Tommy. What did you think of Ron Rivera's answer to Scott Abraham's question? His answer was good. I mean, how much value – does the answer have? I mean, would you hold it to him? Would you hold him to it, you know, 30 seconds later? I wouldn't. Me neither. Okay, so so I think his answer was good. Look, I think he does generally a pretty good job in, in uh, answering these questions. Sometimes he gets himself in a little bit of trouble, but fortunately for him, he doesn't. I mean, there's not a lot of opportunity to basically follow up on these things. So uh, so I thought it was a good answer, and I think it's an absolutely useless answer. Uh, I think it is absurd to talk. I mean, even though we talk about it, I mean, you know, you didn't put Taylor Heineke as the starter to bench him after one bad game. Okay, so come on. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. First of all, a coach can't say any more than he said right there. And I'm so glad he kept it to essentially two sentences and didn't start to elaborate on why he's not even contemplating that because it would have probably just opened up several cans of worms. Because, you know, you cannot right now with this particular organization and where they are in this season right now, you can't then add a quarterback controversy on top of it. (laughs) I mean, you just can't. 
you've already got this major dumpster fire with the defense, which is the number one, two, and three reasons that they are one and two and could be 0 and three. And in fact, Taylor Heineke is the one that's given you a chance. And, and, well, he was significantly influential in your one win this year. Um, so I, I, I love the way he handled it. It's, it's the way to handle it. It's, a, it's the Belichick way to handle it. I mean, Belichick would have actually had a one-word answer, and he would have yeah. said, uh, no, uh, he, uh, Taylor Heineke's our starting quarterback. Um, but I don't believe him. I think that they have thought about Kyle Allen. I think that they will think about, about Kyle Allen, and it won't take a whole hell of a lot for them to actually move to Kyle Allen. Now, I, I, we, we did a segment on the radio show this morning, and I also put out the following Twitter poll. How long does Taylor Heineke hold on to the starting job? And I gave three answers. Rest of the season, until Fitzpatrick is healthy, replaced by Allen even sooner. And 42.4% say until Fitz is healthy. So he's going to keep the job until Fitz is healthy, which right now is projected to be after the bye week, which would be five more games. It would be uh, through the October 31st Halloween game uh, at Denver. Um, 39.8%. Okay. I was just going to say 39.8% said he's he's going to hold on to it for the rest of the season and 17.8% said he's going to replace he's going to be replaced by Kyle Allen sooner. Go well, there's ahead. a lot of Kool-Aid drink, a lot of Kool-Aid drinkers still out there. Uh, remember my you heard it here first was the bye week yeah. was when Kyle Allen With takes fi- over for Fitzpatrick. As, as, yes, for Fitzpatrick at, at that point at, at quarterback. Uh, I think it's going to happen sooner. I think it'll happen sooner in a bye week. I, I think it'll happen. I mean, I don't, again, I think Taylor Heineke is going to be exposed, uh, you know, against some of these teams. And, uh, you know, I mean, not that I wish it on anyone, but, uh, if he's going to feel the pressure to make plays, that puts him more at risk to get hurt. I mean, let's face it. That, that, I mean, we like quarterbacks who run, who, who use their legs to make plays. But when their legs are holding up a, a pretty small frame, uh, that usually doesn't hold up. Yeah, well, so you're predicting that he's going to get hurt, which is why Kyle Allen's going to be the no, starter. No, 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 no. I said that's one possibility. Okay, well, I, th- I think, I think, well, the I other think possibility it's, would I think, be performance. Yes. So he's going to be exposed. I don't think he's going to last. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, uh, so first of all, I think that as long as he's upright and healthy and doesn't completely soil himself in like two consecutive games, I think that the coaching staff should give him these next five before the bye. And then we've got seven games of him starting. It's hardly a large enough sample size for a young quarterback. But, you know, he's not a young quarterback. He's just an inexperienced quarterback who wasn't drafted, who was on the scrap heap and picked up by one team because there was only one team interested. So that's pretty much the chance you get when you're Taylor Heineke. And, by the way, that's like an unbelievable chance. You know, the Taylor Heineke's of the world don't get two seasons to prove it. Or a full seat, they get like you know if if they're lucky, they get a couple of games. In this case, you know he may have the chance to give them seven starts, with essentially six of them being against teams that had the opportunity to totally prepare for him. I have seen enough where I'd like to see him get the next five games. 
You know, Fitzpatrick right now, that, by the way, this is based on the assumption that Fitzpatrick isn't available until the bye week, you know, until early to mid-November. Um, if he's available before then, um, then it comes down to how well Taylor Heineke's playing. But if Heineke is playing at a level that he's played, which is overwhelmingly more positive than negative, then I hope he gets these next five games. And we can see him in three road games. We can see him at Atlanta against a bad defensive team and not a real good team at all in a game that Washington really needs to have in a game where they're really going to be counting on him this Sunday to produce, you know, and put up 27 plus points. Hopefully they won't need all of them, um, but they might. Uh, I want to see him against that Saint defense uh, a week from Sunday. I want to see him in potentially what could be the only way of winning in some sort of 38-31 game against the Chiefs. I want to see how he plays at Lambeau. I want to see how he plays against one of the best defenses in the league on the road in Denver. You know, because even though seven games, seven starts, and, you know, the eighth start against Tampa and the other quarters that he played against the Chargers and the Panthers, you know, still isn't a totally fair sample size. It's big enough. It's all, I, it's all I'll need to see. And I think it'll be all they'll need to see to, to, to come to the decision as to whether or not it makes sense to invest any more time in him. And then in terms of whether or not he continues to play after that is Fitzpatrick's availability, what their record is, are they still in a playoff hunt? Um, and, or, you know, uh, d- you know, obviously if he's playing well, uh, then you know, Kyle Allen is less of a possibility. But if he's playing poorly and he plays poorly at Atlanta and at New Orleans and they lose those games because of him, which isn't what happened in Buffalo, then I think you could see Kyle Allen before Fitzpatrick is back and ready to go. But I hope they give him the next five games. Well, what's interesting, uh, Taylor Heineke's response to the question about being a game manager, and he jumped on it and embraced it. He said, that's me. I want to be a game manager. I mean, let's face it. Given the opportunities this guy has had in his career, if they asked him to go out naked behind center and play the game, he would do it. Okay, if they want him to be a game manager, you know whether he's capable of it or not, he'll say, "Of course, I'll be a game manager." So, I mean, yeah, again, like, of course, that's going to be his answer to that question. Here's the other thing that could factor in with the Kyle Allen uh, decision. Uh, as much as I have been, and I think I've been right about this, I think I am right about this. As much as I believe uh, Ron Rivera likes Kyle Allen. I'm not sure that they're looking at these games coming up if they're if they're really honest with themselves and think they have a much better chance to win with Kyle Allen than, t- than Taylor Heineke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they're all three. They're they're the same quarterbacks in some ways. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is just the Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke at the end of their careers. Yeah, but... But they're all the same quarterback. But they, they don't view... I don't think they viewed Ryan Fitzpatrick as the same quarterback as Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen. If they well, had, probably they not. I, that's my opinion. Yeah. Right. Um, right. That's your opinion. And I, I, um, I do think, by the way, stylistically, there's a lot of similarities between the three. There's definitely similarities between Heineke and Fitzpatrick. Um, but, yes. you know, if... Um, if Fitzpatrick is healthy, and by the way, that may be a big if, 
you know, in terms of if he's actually available at any point this year to come back. I don't know that we've heard the, you know, the update on that, um, but we will at some point, uh, I'm sure. But I, um, I'm going to ask uh, Rivera that for the show tomorrow morning. Uh, tune in to, to 980 tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. I'm going to ask him. I, I don't think anybody's asked him recently. Maybe they have, and I just missed it. What, uh, how Ryan Fitzpatrick is doing, and you know, is there a projected timetable t- for his return to be able to start practicing again? But I, I think a lot of it is just, you know, we'll know when we get there because we will have seen Taylor Heineke play well or not play well. We'll see what their record is and whether or not they're in contention for something or not in contention for something. Here's a question for you. If over the next five games, Taylor Heineke plays fine, um, but they don't beat, you know, Kansas City, Green Bay, Denver, and New Orleans – and they are sitting there at what would that be at that point? They they would be two and two and six through eight games. And let's just say the Cowboys are six and two, so it's over. Like the you know the, okay. the the true contention is over. Would you play Fitzpatrick at that point if he were healthy enough to play? I think they owe it to him. Why? I, I think they signed him, telling him he'd be the starting quarterback. Well, yeah, I think but... you, you, you made a big deal about tell, about saying that they they told him he'd be the starter. Right. That's one of the reasons why he signed here. Yeah. I don't think he wants to sit on the sideline even in a meaningless season. Yeah, but I think he wants to play. But it's one thing before these games, the seventeen game schedule starts, and you're trying to be a competitive team for the second straight year, and that's why you signed him. You think his veteran, you know. The veteran nature of, of him and the way he's played the last two years is going to give you a better chance than anybody else that you've got on the roster. It's a different context at two and six in the season being over. You have to do what's best I don't for think... the future of the organization, which would be why not learn more about Taylor Heineke or Kyle Allen at that point? Because Fitzpatrick uh, isn't going to be the starter, the long term. Well, neither starter. of those two guys. <clears throat> neither of those two guys. I agree Come with on. you, but there's a there's a better chance that. One of them could emerge as something than Ryan Fitzpatrick, 38 years old, coming off a serious injury. You got Fitzpatrick playing two seasons. Well, that was before he got injured. <laughs> well, he didn't lose a leg. Come on. Well, what are you saying? Are you saying that you'd put him, put him in there because maybe they could go 6-2, and two, get to 8-8, eight and eight and get a wild card spot? Or 9-8? and No, eight, no. I, I'm uh, not 9-8 uh, and eight and get a wild card spot? No, I, I well... I, I'm not saying what I would do. What I think they'll do is they'll play him again if they're out of it. I, I would hate I would hate for them to make that decision with the sole reason being, well, we promised him. Because things change. You know, they promised he'd be the starter at the beginning of the season and he'd be the starter for this season. But, you know, you got to remain upright. You can't get hurt. And, you know, we can't, you know. Well, he doesn't have a history of getting no, hurt. No, he doesn't. Except for. Except for what he got here. <laughs> you know, it would actually, the more that I think about it, it would be incredibly telling if he came back at 2-6 and six off the bye week and he was the starter at that point and they really did not have a chance to contend for anything. Now, I say that there would still be more than half the schedule left, nine games left, with, by the way, five division games left. So maybe you could make the case. No, no, no. We're still playing for, for something. We got more than half the season left. We, you know, we we think Ryan. We, we think we could go seven and two. 
you know, and get to nine and eight and, and be a wild card team or maybe even be back in this division race. But, you know, in if, if they were truly out of it, you know, uh, let's just say two games later, um, you know, through 10 games and they played them at the end of the year. Well, that would be an obvious tell that they do not think Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke have any chance to be their starting quarterback, um, you know, moving forward, that the best they could hope for is to be a backup. And, you know, one of the things, Tommy, and I thought about this uh, last night, Taylor Heineke is a good backup quarterback. He's not a bad option to have on your team as a backup quarterback because he really is um, completely unafraid and he, he doesn't get rattled. You know, you can put him in in the fourth quarter of the game. We've already seen him perform under those circumstances as a backup coming in. Chase Daniels has made, has become a multi-millionaire being a backup quarterback in this league. I think Taylor Heineke can do the same thing. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, he seems to be a good student of the game. He seems to put the work in. Uh, He, he, he doesn't seem like he's, like you said, no moments don't seem too big for him. Uh, you know, in terms of composure, maybe in terms of ability they are, but not in terms of composure. Right. Well, so you've got Kyle Allen before the bye week and before Ryan Fitzpatrick yes. is ready. Um, and, I, you know, I have no idea how he's going to play, but I will make – I'll take the leap here and say he's going to play well enough, you know, this Sunday – and over the next five weeks, he's going to have some rough moments for sure, like he did in Buffalo. And he's going to have a couple of games like Buffalo, but he will have enough moments where, you know, he impacts the the result of these games in a positive way that he's the quarterback for the next five weeks. That's I'll, I'll wager on that. Just like I thought that Ryan Fitzpatrick would start 17 games. Um, okay. Uh, more on the show next, right after these words from a few of our sponsors. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland, chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Hey, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't subscribed to the podcast. It really helps us. It doesn't cost you a thing. Also, rate us and review us wherever you can, especially on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Rate us five stars. That would be great. And write a one- to two-sentence review. So many of you have, and I really appreciate it. Um, It's really helpful. Uh, There are two Ryans to finish up the show with. Ryan Zimmerman, which we will get to here shortly, and Matt Ryan, the quarterback of the Atlanta Falcons, 
Washington's opponent on Sunday. Before we get to specifically, Tommy, what you wanted to talk about as it relates to Matt Ryan, I did want to mention that I have watched some of the Atlanta stuff from this year and some from the Atlanta Giant game specifically from last week. You know, they're, they're, they're more than capable of, of winning this game. You know, I said that about the Giants, and a lot of you laughed. And they beat the Giants. They did. Um, they needed an offside yeah. on a field goal to get it done. Um, the Falcons are more than capable of beating Washington, especially with the way Washington's playing. I, I think Washington can win this game, and I think the desperation they have that and the urgency they should approach this game with gives them an advantage. It's also nowhere near the hostile environment that they were in last weekend. I mean, Atlanta fans are really lukewarm on this team. They're giving away tickets for Sunday. It won't yeah. be a sellout. Um, the, you know, the Falcons are, are one and two at this point off of the win over the Giants, but they're capable offensively. You're kidding yourself if you think, you know, oh, Matt Ryan is is done, he's over with. Matt Ryan can still do it. He does it differently than Justin Herbert. He does it differently than Daniel Jones. He does it differently than Josh Allen. Um, but they're getting the ball out of his hands quickly, and they've got playmakers. They have Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley's a top 10 to top 12, 15 receiver in the league. I know I just went from 10 to 15, but he's somewhere in that range. Kyle Pitts was everybody's uh, preseason favorite to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think Jamar Chase is the favorite right now, but Pitts, two catches, 35 yards last week in the win in, in the Meadowlands over the Giants. And then they've got Cordell Patterson, who has been in the league, I don't know how many uh, years Cordell Patterson's been in the league now. It's probably eight or nine, something like that. You know, started with Minnesota, was with the Bears, and is now with the Falcons. He's been one of the great kickoff returners over the last eight eight to 10 years, you know, an incredible kickoff return. He's got eight touchdowns, eight um, in exactly, by the way, I've got it now for you. This is his ninth season, eight kickoff returns for touchdowns um, in, uh, in eight seasons, essentially. Um, that's really incredible. And they, they get him the ball in so many different ways. Cordell Patterson last week in the win over the Giants had seven rushes and six catches and then was also back on kickoff returns. He wears number 84. It's like the same number he's worn everywhere, I think. You know, even when he's lined up as a running back, he's number 84. You know, they get it to him on screens. They get it to him on run extension throws. They get it to him as a wide receiver. He's a dangerous player. And so is Calvin Ridley, and so is Kyle Pitts. And Matt Ryan, they've got him, you know, a lot of three-step drop, a lot of getting the ball out quickly. Mike Davis is the running back. They were two-to-one pass over run last week. You know, Washington was the same against the Giants. The Giants are a stout rush defense, which is why teams haven't really tried them much here, you know, um, in, or at least their last two opponents haven't. But if you think Washington is, like, going to win this game going away, uh, I, I totally see it differently. I think this is a toss-up game going in. Washington's a one-and-a-half-point favorite now. They opened up as a one-point dog. Um, but I, I think the defense could have another rough day. If it does, it's going to be upsetting to everybody. But Atlanta's not a terrible offensive team, even though they're ranked very poorly. But they're capable. So that's all I would say on that. Now, what did you want to say about Matt Ryan? Well, I mean, I have heard – that Matt Ryan wants out of Atlanta after this year. That, uh, as, as has been told to me, he wants the Matt Stafford treatment. You know, he wants to be traded, and he wants to be wooed by teams 
and go play someplace where he can finish his career uh, and maybe win. Who knows? Uh, depending on where he goes. Now, the one thing about uh, Matt Ryan, he'll be 37 next year. Yes. And he, which means he must have been old when he came into the league. 24, I think. He must have been. I think he was 24 yeah, he when must he came been, out of BC. Yeah, he was 24. So that's a little bit old to be a, a rookie quarterback in, in, in the NFL. Uh, I'm surprised he's going to be 37 next year. That would give me pause. But uh, if Matt Ryan was, he was available. 20, he was 23 as a rookie. Okay. If Matt Ryan was available, uh, you know, for the right deal, and not obviously as much as Matt Stafford, uh, was that something you'd be interested in for the next two, two to three years? I like Matt Ryan. I don't know if I'm going to like Matt Ryan at 37 years old. I want to see how he plays this year with, you know, on a not very good team, but with some decent offensive skill position players, certainly at receiver and tight end. I don't know how I feel about that right now. I, I mean, we don't have to have a feeling about that right now until we've watched him, but I've always been a Matt Ryan fan. Matt Ryan's had some phenomenal seasons in the NFL. Oh, he was the MVP of the league. MVP of the year. league. You know, that will yeah. happen when Kyle Shanahan's your offensive coordinator. I'd rather go back and have Kyle Shanahan as my head coach and Kirk <laughs> Cousins as my quarterback. Um, but uh, that ship sailed. Thank you, Dan. Um, uh, and Bruce, I, I, uh, and the answer, Tommy, probably not. But then I would again, agree. But then again, like, I would agree. Probably not for me either. But I, but I don't know what the price would be, and if he's playing really well at the end of this year, and Atlanta decides to take the big dead cap hit or spread it out over two years, because I think it's a lot of money. Um, that uh, you know, let me let me say this: of the older quarterbacks that let's just say could be available next year, if Ben Roethlisberger didn't retire. I'd take Matt Ryan over Ben Roethlisberger right now. Yes, I Ro- would. Roethlisberger looks done. Matt Ryan does not look done. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. Matt Ryan, so far this year, is completing 71% of his passes. Yeah. Uh, he's got four touchdowns and three interceptions so far this year. So, um, you're right. They must be getting it out quick for him to be completing so many passes. Uh, I, he doesn't interest me if I was a Washington fan. Atlanta right he's now. Not in Aaron, he's not in Aaron Rodgers' territory, okay? Oh, no, no, no. And for That's me, obvious. And for me, he's not in Matt Stafford territory. I would have given up anything for Matt Stafford last year, which, you know, seemed to. Well, really and, and, and again, Matt Stafford. People out there, huh? Matt Stafford's 33. Yeah. When you're getting him. It's, too. A, big, it's a big That's di- a big difference. Huge too. difference, yeah. I mean, Ryan, yeah. Didn't, Matt Ryan probably had his MVP season at 33 years old. Yeah. What is he? He's going to be what? He's 37 He'll right be now? He'll 30, 37 Next uh, year? come uh, May. Okay, so he yeah. 2016 would have been his. That's the year they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots, right? It was the 2016 yeah. season. So um, so he was 30, you know, he was 31 that season. Yeah, I, I, I like Matt. Like, put it this way. If the defense was what we thought the defense was going to be, which was, you know, a good defense, some thought elite, I thought it could be a good defense this year. I'd much rather have Matt Ryan being my quarterback right now than than Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, yeah. I, I think Ryan right. I, I think Matt Ryan's a good quarterback. You know, we talked briefly about Matt Ryan in the offseason, but it was never a possibility that Atlanta could unload him. Look, Atlanta if Atlanta was going to unload Matt Ryan in the next two years, 
they would have drafted a quarterback at number four overall instead of Kyle Pitts. They, they, they're planning on keeping Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan may want the Matt Stafford treatment, but I don't think he's going to get it. Now, I mean, a part of the reason that you would take a Matt Ryan is if you think this team was close to competing. Yes. I mean, you would make not... that deal. Yeah. If, if this team showed you enough this year that just, yeah, we're, the only problem we're looking at is the quarterback. And so far, this hasn't been the case. Yeah, it's not been the case. I mean, you know, if we get to the end of the year and the defense is massively improved and the quarterback play sucks and they don't feel like they have a starter next year, um, but that they could make a move next year. Look, Ron's already said, even though the actions in the offseason sort of contradict this, given that they went with a big offer for Matt Stafford, that, you know, they're building the foundation right now and they don't want to overspend and they don't want to mortgage the future, specifically for a young quarterback in the draft in terms of draft choices. But, um, you know, and he's even mentioned that Buffalo's sort of uh, what they're modeling, you know, the franchise after. Buffalo, yes. you know, built everything and then went and got the quarterback. You know, I, I, I love when, you know, people just say, well, let's build the offensive line and defensive line and build out the secondary and the linebackers and the skill, and then we'll go get the quarterback, as if it's just so easy to go get the quarterback. You know, it's not. It's not easy. It's a total crapshoot. And the only thing that isn't a crapshoot is trading for a known or signing a known. You know, the young quarterback route in the draft is a coin flip. It's not even a coin flip. It's, you know, a one in three chance that you're going to hit on the right guy. Maybe one in four. Smart people, look, look, smart people get it wrong all the time. Bobby Bethard drafted Ryan Leaf. Yeah. So that that idea of, you know, we're block by block by block, then we'll go get the quarterback. Well, you know, if the going to get the quarterback is somebody in the draft, well, you don't know if you're going to get the right quarterback. And then on top of it, it'll take a couple of years for that quarterback to be good. I mean, more quarterbacks are like Josh Allen and the quarterbacks we're seeing this year struggle very much than are like Justin Herbert last year. I mean, that, that's – yeah. this year may be one of those years, Tommy – that we everybody reevaluates the playing the quarterbacks right away, or you know the expectations for young quarterbacks right away, because it's for the quarterbacks that have started. It's seventeen interceptions, nine touchdowns, and a one in eight aggregate record. And I'm talking about Wilson, Lawrence, Jones, and now you've got you know, Fields having started one game and having one of the worst debuts for a starting quarterback ever. You can put some of that on the Chicago coaching staff. But, you know, so far, you know, based on their early uh, the early um, results, which you shouldn't judge anything off of, uh, no one's going to be Justin Herbert this year. It doesn't appear. Justin Herbert uh, is, is, is remarkable. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, they, they may have gotten themselves another Dan Fouts with Justin Herbert. He's that good. Well, I mean, I'm surprised you went Fouts instead of Rivers. Okay. <laughs> well, You're right. <laughs> I mean, but Fouts was phenomenal. I mean, that, 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 that franchise has had John Hadle, Number uh, Dan Fouts, yep. Philip Rivers, and now Justin Herbert. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty good run of quarterback. It is a pretty good run of quarterback. For, so. for, a France, for a team that hasn't won a Super Bowl. Now, they had several other quarterbacks between Fouts and Rivers. 
Yes. Including, yeah, by the way, in, including, by the way, Drew Brees for for a year. That's right. You know, a playoff yes. year. You know, with 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 Marty as the quarterback, uh, as the coach, right? Marty was the quarterback yes. for the for the uh, for the Drew Brees was the Chargers with the coach season. Then. Yeah. Yes, he was. I think that's right. I believe that's right. Um, yeah, they've had some good ones. Right now, Fouts, yeah. Fouts in his prime or Rivers in his prime? Well, I mean, I'm going to lean more towards Fouts, although he had better weapons. I mean, he had remarkable weapons. I mean, John Jefferson, Wes Chandler, Kellen Winslow, uh John Jefferson, Charlie Joyner, Charlie. Yeah, Joyner. I mean, just just remarkable. Jane, Jane, um, Chuck Muncie out of the backfield. James yes. Brooks out of the backfield. Yeah. God, yeah. those Charger teams of the early '80s—they were so yeah. much fun to watch. Yes, they were. Do you know? I, I just I pulled up um, the uh, the Chargers' uh, history of quarterbacks, and Rivers blows away Fouts statistically. Um, and they, uh-huh. they essentially played uh, – I mean, Rivers ended up with, let's see, 28 uh, – so uh, 47 more games he played in than Fouts, you know, um, over the course of the year. 59,000 passing yards for Rivers. But Fouts, in a different era, 43,000 passing yards. Yeah. Pretty damn impressive. Rivers, 397 touchdowns. Fouts, 254, which for the era is sick. Um, Fouts is not in the Hall of Fame, right? I do not believe that Fouts is. No, he is. He is in the Hall of Fame. I think he is in the Hall of Fame. I'll double check. No, he is. I think John Hadle. He's in in the Hall of Fame. Of course he is. But John John Hadle is not, I don't think. But should Hadle have been in it? I don't know. He was considered a great quarterback. Yeah. He Uh, he wore number 21 as quarterback, right? Yes, he did. And then he went to the Rams. He quarterbacked the Rams in the 70s. Yes, he did. Seventy three and seventy four. Yeah, because they had Harold yeah. Jackson. They had uh, some good teams uh, those years with Hadle, and then um, and then it, and I think Pat Hayden probably replaced Hadle in L.A. Look, I mean, and uh, you know when you no, I don't think Pat Hayden did. Hayden came along later uh, because I remember Hayden took over for Joe Namath, uh, and Namath I don't think was a Ram until seventy seven. So, uh, okay. I mean, John Hadle, you know, he's one, he comes from an era like Kenny Stabler. He threw more interceptions than touchdowns. Right. You know, like Namath, threw yeah. more interceptions than touchdowns. Right. Something uh, he had 244 that. touchdowns, 268 interceptions. But he was a four-time AFL All-Star, uh, and uh, he was All-Pro in 1973 when he was with the Rams. So, first so, team All-Pro. So I'm I'm just looking to see um, who would have replaced Hadle in '74. James Harris was their quarterback, of course. Okay, of course. Yeah. James Harris, one of the first black NFL quarterbacks. You know, at the time it was James Harris and Joe Gillum in Pittsburgh. You know, because Doug Williams came after those guys. And James Harris had a big arm, and he threw a lot of passes to, to Jackson. Then Hayden and Ferragamo came after Harris. Ferragamo yeah. actually quarterbacked the Rams to a Super Bowl. Yes, he did. The that Super- Ray Malavese coached Rams. Exactly. Exactly. 
Okay. Um, what about the other Ryan Zimmerman? Um, do you think this is his final weekend as a professional baseball player? I don't think so. Oh, you think he's going to come back and play uh, next year? Yeah, I think he will. I think he likes playing. Uh, it, it was a relatively easy year for him. He didn't have to be a full-time player. He proved to be fairly productive. 14 home runs, drove in almost 50 runs. Uh, didn't, I mean, you know, looked still very skilled at first base. I think some of it may have to do with what will be the Nats strategy uh, for 2022. Everyone assumes it's still going to be a retooling year, as they like to say, with plans to compete the following year. I think that's misguided. I think every year they waste with Juan Soto on the roster is a crime. So I think they should they, they should stock up in the off season to compete in 2022. And I think if that's the case, you'd see Ryan Zimmerman come back. Come back here. Yes. Okay. Do you think there's a chance that he would play elsewhere next year? No, absolutely, a hundred percent not. Okay. Um, because if it is his final weekend as a Nat, he is the face, the player face of this franchise after it moved from Montreal to Washington. Yes, absolutely. Drafted in 2005, one of Jim Bowden's smart moves, uh, and wound up coming up with the team uh, in September. So he's been he's been in a major league uniform with the Nationals since they since their first year here. Um, absolutely, and he's done nothing but make you be feel proud. That Ryan Zimmerman has been on your team, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know the Nats are going to play a significant role this weekend in the American League Wild Card race because they finished with the Red Sox at home. <laughs> and and the you know I don't know how closely you're following this. I actually um, two nights ago I watched the uh, the Phillies and the Braves game. It's actually a really dramatic ninth inning. They lost again uh, last night um, to the Braves, so they're they're done now. Um, they're four and a half back. I would I don't even know what the Braves magic number is, but it's got to be like one or two at this point. They're four and a half back, and they played a hundred and fifty eight. So they only. Have four games left. So literally they'd have to run the table and the Braves would have to lose, including their makeup game, which they would potentially play um, the day after the season. Um, so the Braves are going to win the National League East. But in the American League wildcard race, it has become amazing how many teams are are in it. The Yankees right now have uh, a game lead for the first wildcard spot over the Red Sox. The Red Sox come to D.C. tomorrow night to finish up the season with a three-game weekend set. Uh, the Red Sox have a half-game lead on Seattle, who's been surging over the last two weeks, and a one-game lead over Toronto. So, you know, this is four teams for two spots coming down to the final, you know, four days of the season. That's really where the drama is in baseball uh, right now because the National League um, East now is essentially with the first two going to Atlanta in the series against the Phillies is going to be the Braves. And the Giants do have a two-game lead over the Dodgers. So that's big because you don't want to play the wild card game um, and have a one-game possibility. Um, The Giants, I think, finish up with San Diego. And I think the Dodgers um, finish up with, is it the Rockies? Uh, no, no, Milwaukee. They've got Milwaukee at home um, after another game with the uh, with the Padres tonight. I, I love this time of year with baseball, and I love starting next week. 
I think the drama yes. of baseball playoff games is so way up there on my list of things that I enjoy oh, as a sports fan. Absolutely, because, I mean, you know, the things that maybe drive people crazy during the uh, regular season, in the postseason, it seems like every pitch is a drama in itself. Yeah. You know, almost every single pitch. Uh, I'm pulling for Seattle. What's interesting is I'm pulling for Seattle to make it uh, because Manny Acta uh, is a coach on the Mariners. I'd like to see him. Uh, back in the postseason, he was with the with the Mets in in the postseason of 2006. Right. Uh, and it's funny because his old team, the Nationals, could have an impact on Huge. active making making the playoffs based on how they play the Red Sox this weekend. Yeah, and the Orioles actually finish up, I think, with Toronto, so they could have a major impact. Uh, as well, but the Nats. I mean, sort of an odd way to finish up. You know, a we a, a weekend set at home against the Red Sox um, to finish up the season. Uh, it's um, you know, I, like to be honest with you, I think it's poor scheduling for, for uh, on uh, baseball scheduling because I, I'm sure there's a point in which you can't accommodate everybody. But the Nats would much prefer to have had the Red Sox at a point where. It's not in the middle of football season, you know, on a Saturday and a Sunday for two of the three games. With that said, I would imagine there will be a lot of Red Sox fans in the stadium this weekend. A ton. I would imagine so. I mean, because when when the Red Sox come to Camden Yards, they fill up that place. Yeah, so they'll they'll be at Nats Park rooting that, uh, for them to, to snag that last uh, wild card spot. I'm sure baseball's rooting for a Yankees Red Sox one night wild card game, which would I think be Tuesday night. Um, I think that's when the uh, uh, the American League game is. I think uh, Tuesday night's American League and Wednesday night's the National League wild card game. And the Cardinals, by the way, Tommy, their 17 game winning streak came to an end yesterday. But my God, 17 in a row they won, <laughs> um, and they'll they'll have a more likely than not they're going to have a one game wild card matchup with the Dodgers. You know, a team that at the beginning of the year, remember when we talked about this at the beginning of the year and I shared with you that um, guys that, you know, really bet baseball were telling me that the Dodgers were one of the biggest preseason and then first week of the season favorites to win a World Series that they had ever seen. Like they were a massive favorite to win the whole thing early in the season. And they started off, if I recall, their season on fire. And then literally they they had uh, like a – a big-time losing streak against, I want to say it was San Diego. They started to lose a bunch of games to the Padres. Um, and uh, they're not going to win their division. I mean, the Giants are. And the Giants certainly were not predicted to win the, the uh, National League West. No, nope. nope. the Giants are a remarkable story. How they managed to put together a team uh, that never loses. I mean, I think that the Dodgers uh, are on a tremendous streak right now in terms of, of winning. Not necessarily winning every game, but I think their record in the last 20 games is remarkable, and I think they they gained one game on the Giants. Yeah, they're too bad over that period. You know that would yeah. that would be a division series round. That would be if the Dodgers were to beat the Cardinals, they would play the Giants because the Giants would be the overall best record, and the wild card would be playing the team with the best record. So that's what you would get. You would, in essence, unless you think the Brewers are are as good as either one of these two teams, you would get the best two teams in the National League in the divisional round. 
Well, I tell you, we, we're we're East Coast centric, obviously. So we talk about the Yankees and the Red Sox, the Giants and the Dodgers is a blood feud yep. that dates back to when they were in, in New, New York, York yeah. together. That is a that is a remarkable, remarkable rivalry. Be a hell of a series, too. I mean, just the Dodgers starting pitchers, right? Max, Kershaw, Bueller, right, Urias. Um, I mean, they, they – and, and seeing Trey Turner out there, um, that'd be well, a, there's some that'd be a hell of a series. That'd this, be best of five, too. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. There's some people that think this is the greatest Dodgers team ever. Yeah. And they're in not terms gonna, of talent. And they're going to win probably is, 104, 105 games and not win the division. Yeah, which is amazing considering those Brooklyn Dodger teams had so many Hall of Famers on it. But I think you could make the case that this Dodgers team is, may be the greatest talent, talented, most talented team they've ever assembled. All right. Uh, what else you got? I got nothing else for you, boss. Yeah, oh, one. well, you know what? You know what this is going on on Saturday? What? Sunday, I mean. Uh, no, Saturday. My high school reunion. Oh my God! That's this weekend. Did you get? Yes, the, it is. Did it's you just, get, Did you find an appropriate venue, and did you get all? The- oh yeah, no, no. We we we're 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 cool. I mean, uh, a guy went to, we went to school with has a, a great restaurant with a great outdoor seating area. The weather's supposed to be seventy two and sunny, so we're we're looking forward to a great event. Oh, that's awesome. All right, uh, yeah. on tomorrow's show. Very likely, Cooley. Um, also, we will get you ready for Maryland, Iowa tomorrow night. Big game for the Terps. All right, back tomorrow.